EFL, never a dull moment. Windows are slamming, Bolton are buying, Bury are trying and Southend are crying. This week we'll reflect on the latest in the wide world of the English Football League, make grossly unfair assessments of championship teams based on six games worth of evidence, tell you how you should feel about Salford City and get up to date with who's gone where for what after a last-minute deadline day trolley dash that would have made Dale Winton RIP proud. This is the Totally Football League show. Welcome one and all to this place of worship for all things Football League. I'm Matt Davis-Adams and you should thank your lucky stars that I'm here because I have a vision that nobody else has. Alongside me today, two ex-pros who would never dream of having a social media spat about whether they earn their 120 quid a week or if Muddy Knees Media is a big enough club for them. First up, a man who told the Scottish Sun that working at Chelsea TV was his big break into the world of football media. You're welcome. <laughs> this week, photos emerged of him playing the role of David Gandhi in a Swindon Town programme from a decade ago. We will link said pics in the description of this pod and on our socials because it needs to be seen to be believed. Sam Parkin, how are you doing and what were you thinking? Uh, Jay from five, that's exactly what I was thinking and I thought <laughs> I nailed it. <laughs> what happened to your hand? The gloves. You didn't have a hand. Look at the pictures closer. Yeah, it's, uh, there's been some photoshopping there of, of one of your hands, but you're right to point out that I can't really have a go at you because I'm particularly scruffy. I'll but take it all on board, Stella McCartney and Giorgio Armani. <laughs> Sergio Giorgini, if anything. Uh, alongside Sam, a dark horse. You know him as a tactical analyst, radio presenter and pundit, but did you also know he had a minor hit in 2018 with his song Soaker You, quotation marks, 2018 Soaker, brackets Barbados. We can hear some now. From the time that you're walking... Make me high to the ceiling, captivated by your That's the problem with having a really common name, isn't it, Adrian? <laughs> it, look, I like the lens you've gone to. Well played. <laughs> uh, Joe Crilly is illy, so it's posh odds all the way today. Uh, we're going to start off with Joe's team, though. Bolton, good news for them. Uh, the Berry business had us all doomy and gloomy last week. Back in those days, we were thinking we better get cracking on the Bolton obit too. But lo and behold, Wanderer's salvation arrived. Yep, in typical fashion, just hours after we dropped last week's show, Football Ventures Brackets Whites Limited completed its protracted takeover of the club. Since then, Keith Hill has been appointed manager with fellow Boltonian David Flickcroft as his sidekick. Bolton signed nine new players on deadline day. They drew 1-1 with Bradford, losing on pens in the EFL trophy in front of more than 9,000 at the University of Bolton Stadium on Tuesday. All in all, a decent week for them. Sam... Keith Hill, thoughts on that? I thought Kevin Nolan was a stick-on to get that job. Yeah, I did as well. Surprised that they didn't go for Nolan. But yeah, Keith Hill is a manager that I've always enjoyed watching his teams. I enjoy what he's got to say on the game as well. I've just always quite liked him from afar. He's local, isn't he? He's from Bolton, I, I believe. Not that the fans desperately needed someone to, I suppose, really understand the football club because they had that with him, Phil Parkinson. But I think it still helps to have a, a local guy. And he knows the, the level. He'll know all the out-of-contract players, I would say, in the Northwest. He'll know the young players that they could realistically uh, prize to Bolton. So I'm pleased he's got another opportunity. I know David Flickcroft a little bit, and those two have worked wonderfully well together before at Rochdale. Not so well at Barnsley, but hopefully they can do well for Bolton. They're a bit of a, a good cop, bad cop team, those two. Possibly, yeah. I've, I've never worked for either of them, but no, I, I think they're. I think they obviously go back a long way. They obviously see the game the same way and have had relevant success at, at Rochdale. So, no, I think some people just you know have their team, don't they, in place, and those two seem to have a good dynamic between them. In terms of the signings, Adrian, uh, they made it nine of them, as we say. Stoke winger Thibaut Verlinden, Liam Bridcut from the two XCCs, along with Daryl Murphy. Uh, Joe Bunny, the Northampton left-back, uh, right-back from Ipswich, Josh Emmanuel, centre-half Jake Wright from Sheffield United, Ali Crawford's come in from Doncaster. They've also brought in Chris O'Grady and Will Buckley. It's essentially an entirely new team, but there's a nice mix there of kind of... It feels like a lot of those players have got something to prove, whether they be young or old. Yeah, his first act as manager has been a positive one, I think. I don't think you'll catch too many Bolton fans desperately unhappy about those acquisitions. Mixture of youth and experience, like you say, players with, with points to prove. I've always liked Liam Bridcut. Hasn't played a lot in, in recent seasons, but he's got a bit of fight about him, a bit of character. He'll put he'll add steel. Darrell Murphy was first choice not that long ago at Nottingham Forest. So that so that's a decent a decent coup for them. So no, I think I think that the, the rebuild is positive. And what I also like is the fact that they've been sensible. They've signed these players up on real short-term deals, haven't they, a lot of them? I think the loans are until January. They'll reassess. Uh, if they're 
dead and buried in terms of relegation. I guess they'll, they'll call it a day and give the kids another go. So no, they're, they're approaching it step by step. But in terms of the first job on his to-do list, Keith Hill, I think he's done it well. Joe Crilly, as I say, not with us today, but because he's on brand, he has sent us a statement in. <laughs> uh, I'll try and do a Joe impression, but it's quite, he's quite a difficult guy to impersonate, so bear with me. Sadly, I think that relegation is fully... And you know what? I'm not going to do a Joe impression because <laughs> I can't do it. Sadly, I think that relegation is fully on the cards, but I wouldn't be a football fan without that 1% of belief that we'll claw our way back up to one place above the drop. The aim, however, is not to stay up or go down, but to galvanise the community, to get behind the team again, and everything is in place to do that. We have an owner who was born in Bolton and a manager and assistant from the town. And through adversity, we have to really get behind our team, regardless of our position in the football pyramid, up the whites. Up the whites, indeed. Right, we're going to talk about transfers next. You're listening to the Totally Football League show in association with William Hill. So the transfer window for Leagues 1 and 2 was quietly and safely pulled back into the lock position at 5pm on Monday. Here are some of the moves that caught my eye and about which I'd like some thoughts from my panel of experts. Cameron Borthwick-Jackson, Man United to Tranmere. Clark, I feel like this is a move that's kind of got to work for him. He's been kicking about on loan for a long time now. It, ha- it does have to work f- for Cameron. He reminds me a little bit of myself, really, because he he got into the Manchester United team. I think he played 10 times, a similar amount to me, and, and he did all right. He, he impressed quite a few people, but then he fell off a cliff, which is something I can kind of empathise with. And since then, it, clearly his confidence has been affected by the rejection, I guess, at Manchester United by various managers since Van Gaal. And then by the managers he worked with on loan. Wolves didn't play him. Leeds didn't play him. It wasn't impressive. Last year, he was part of a struggling Scunthorpe side that that went down. So he needs this to work, doesn't he? Otherwise, you, you do feel like his, uh, his career as a professional might be in jeopardy. He might end up dropping into non-league. But I wish him the best of luck. And he's certainly a player with pedigree. Might be able to say the same, Sam, about Jason Cummings, who's gone from Forest to Shrewsbury. He's a very streaky kind of striker he'll go through periods where he gets loads of goals but obviously there's this off the field stuff that seems to mm. follow him around which is, has made him a little bit toxic maybe but but Shrewsbury need goals and he can get them yeah and um, he started brilliantly at, at Peterborough last season and clearly knows where the, the goal is got a lovely left foot what I will say is he was at Peterborough who arguably will be in the mix this season. Luton cantered to the title last season, so he's gone to a club with all respect to Shrewsbury, but a club lower down the, the League One table, if you like, with different aims, I would suggest. So he will play every week, would be my take on that. They've got Okunabiri and, and Morrison, but you know it's been a little bit of a struggle for goals at the start of the season. I, I like Okunabiri, and I've banged his drum on this show, but there's, there's obviously something that the, the managers that have him see day-to-day, whether it's you know, exactly the type of forward that Sam Ricketts is looking for. He's a finisher, Okunabiri, but maybe Jason Cummings can give them a bit more more of a rounded performance. So, yeah, I think like Owen Doyle's done going to Swindon playing for a manager that knows him under uh, in Richie Wellens, sometimes as a striker, you just need that fresh challenge and, and the goals can start rolling. An EFL player who's been one of my favourites for well over a decade is Craig McHale-Smith. I love his floppy hair. I love his determination, the fact that he clearly loves football. He's gone from Wickham to Stevenage. He's 35 and he just seems to just want to play for as long as possible. And that's something that I think we can all get on board. Yeah, and he's out of non-league as well, wasn't he? Craig McHale-Smith. So 35 now, I wouldn't anticipate he's going to play every minute or even start games. But they were their first two league goals of the season at the weekend for, for Stevenage. So they clearly need some help in that department. If he can be an influence with the younger players and the strikers, then then it could be a good sign. And on his style of play I think when you give so much in terms of closing people down and covering every blade of grass I think your impact as a goal scorer diminishes as you get older and I think that's clearly been the case when you look at his record but he's still going he'll still give 100% and he'll get the odd goal. Yeah, what, what I like about this signing is that that work rate that he gives sets, sets a good tone for the team a good example for others but it also will free up Guthrie or Newton who are sort of swapping places at the moment as the spearhead it'll give them maybe not doing much spearheading are they no they're not but <laughs> they won't have to work as hard it, it might take the load off of them to some degree and, and allow them to concentrate on scoring goals Jason Cowley of course the, the, the kid they got from non-league hasn't really clicked for him yet but together as a four lots of firepower there now uh, Jake Hasty from Rangers to Rotherham sounds like a rush job to me <laughs> Arvin Apaya 
Uh, Forest to Almeria, <laughs> eight million quid, fuming face emoji from the person in this chair. Yeah. Is that, it, it, I mean, actually the general perception from Forest supporters on this seems to be, well, that's very good money and, you know, look what happened to Ollie this, Burke after he went. This is a consequence of signing too many average players. Yeah. It is, you've, Nottingham Forest, two-time European champions, have, have wasted so much money on Bilge, basically, that they need to balance the books and they've sold the most promising player they've got. Which is okay. We haven't seen a lot of him at Forest, but but everybody raves about him. He, he's probably a future star for them. But because because they're spending uh, an extortionate amount on, on on quite a lot of average players, there some something had to give, and, and and that's a real shame, I think, for Nottingham Forest. But and maybe for him as well, because I, I I'm sure that he would like to have stuck around and and broken through. Good on him, Sam. Though for he had yeah. lots and lots of suitors, and and it's good to see. You know, we're seeing a lot of English players go abroad, but they tend to be older squad players from the Premier League. It's, it's nice to see a young lad think, hey, I'm going to test myself in another country, which is an entirely different challenge in lots of ways. 100%. And I've seen a lot of quotes about this young man this morning. He seems like a really good young professional, but more importantly, a, a really good young man as well. Very intelligent young boy. So to go over there and have the experience of playing in another league, I think you have to credit that. I was desperate to go overseas in my career. I've, no, no, in Europe, I came close to going to the MLS on a couple of occasions and um, I would have absolutely loved it. Did you ever get offers to go abroad, Clark? Or were you ever tempted um, to do so? Yeah, there was, a, there was a point. A club in Singapore actually offered me the chance to go there, which I, I thought was really random at the time. And it was just too big, too big a leap for me. But no, because I had a, a, a baby at one point and it just it kind of took that off the table for me when when things weren't going so well at south end so that was when i decided to sort of take the take the plunge come out of the professional game be a semi pro at stevenish and to start the career that, that i'm now on as a football journalist so that was my choice if i had been offered the chance and if my lifestyle had suited it i would 100% done it and i and i loved the fact that the current trend for for young talented british players is that no we're not afraid to go abroad and uh, and yeah i i back them all the way on it right transfer chat done until january then thank the lord let's now have a discussion about games of football that have taken place and the consequences thereof starting with the championship Right, championship then, where the headlines include Leeds beaten by a bunch of swans. Steve Cooper's Swansea, as suggested, might happen on this podcast last week, secured a 1-0 victory at Ellen Road. Their first win there in 70 years. They sit atop the championship going into the international break with 16 points. West Brom and Charlton remain unbeaten after six matches. We didn't see that coming from Charlton at the start of the season. Meanwhile, Huddersfield still have no manager, still have just the solitary point. And Danny Cowley has said thanks, but no thanks to the prospect of taking charge. And Stoke City prop up the table with one point and a goal difference of minus nine. Yeesh. With there being no matches in the Championship this weekend, this is the perfect opportunity for us to do a review so far. We are 7.66% of the way through the season after all. And we're going to take a look at some of the teams, not all. First off, some of the surprise packages. Swansea, very much top of that bill, Adrian. We spoke about them in depth last week, but but you can only lavish more praise on them after their result of the weekend. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I... I did fancy them to to do something at Ellen Road, not necessarily to win, but to at least take a point. I thought that they could could handle Leeds United, and, and the reason being is that they can handle the ball when they have it. I think that they they're, they're happy to accept that they'll have less of it than than some opponents like Leeds, for example. But the structure of their side is really good under Steve Cooper. They're all really comfortable in the in the jobs that they do, and when they do get the ball. They don't waste it. They're, they're quite sensible in the way that they, they move through the lines. I, I think they've got some good footballers. At Swansea, so no, I, I said it last week, I think that they might be the new Norwich in terms of an unexpected team to, to stick around at the top. And, and obviously, I'm not going to change my mind on the back of that performance. So, so yeah, well done to them. The, the only issue I'd have is that they've got a lot of um, younger players. And with younger players, you get inconsistency. So, so I wouldn't expect them to to stay in top spot for for the duration of the campaign. But, but I think a good season lies ahead. Sam Charlton's a club you know very well, with your mate Johnny Jackson being uh, Lee Bowyer's number two. Other than Lyle Taylor penalties, Connor Gallagher, and, and twelve games unbeaten, what what can you tell us about them? I mean, presumably this was beyond their their wildest dreams in terms of a start to the season. Well, yes, you would you would think so, but. In the last few days and probably the last seven days of the, the window, they did some fantastic business. So I think they play a system which they know very well. 
Uh, we look at Luton's diamond last season being outstanding. Well, I think there's arguments that Charlton probably play it equally as well, if not better, considering they beat them towards the tail end of last season. Lovely balancing in the midfield. Obviously, Cullen is a, a huge player for them, a huge asset having him back at the club in the championship. Two centre-halves for... Three centre-halves, sorry, for two places in Saar, Pierce, and Lockyer. So Bowyer has the luxury of, of choosing dependent on what type of opposition they're going to face, if he needs a ball-playing one or an aggressive one. And um, top end of the pitch, they've got Lyle Taylor just with confidence rushing through his, his veins. And Lecco probably had his, his best game at the weekend at, at Reading and off the mark now as well. So, yes, they've maybe been a little bit fortunate to win against Brentford, but you saw them probably unfortunate to only draw against Forest. So they're probably two points better off where they should be. Yeah, surprises in terms of disappointing surprises, as you said, lying. Derby, beaten playoff finalists, only won one of six. That was on opening day. No shots on target against Brentford. I mean, might be Philip Cock out before too long. <laughs> <laughs> Philip Cock. <laughs> <laughs> the... They were poor at Brentford, weren't they? You look at the goals, you look at the chances that Brentford created. They're all from gifts with Derby losing possession in, in really bad areas. So so that, I think, is a, is a worrying sign. They're obviously weaker than they were last year. The, the, the quality of the players that, that left the building and the quality of the ones that come in didn't match up, unfortunately. Add to that Philip Koku, who's, who's getting to know, know a new league and a new dressing room. And it's not, it's not going well. It is slightly alarming, I think, for Derby fans because they would not have expected this. There are very few signs, I'd suggest, that, that they're about to, to go on a, on a more positive run. They need to, to work out what to do up front. I think that's the key with Marriott and Waghorn. Find the right formula and, and go from there. But there's a lot of work to do, particularly without the ball. Uh, so they were walloped by Brentford. Speaking of whom, Ian Westbrook writes politely, Morning. <laughs> Once Brentford's new signings are bedded in properly, do you think we have a good go for the playoffs? The evidence of the performance against Derby suggests it may be possible. Sam, you are a fan of the way Brentford play, and in particular, Ollie Watkins. Yeah, I was just going to say that when Adrian was speaking. I mean, the one team you don't want to give the ball away to in dangerous yeah. areas, especially at, away from home at Griffin Park, is Brentford, because they are phenomenal at home on their day. Yes, I think, they could be talking playoffs now. It's still a bit of a work in progress in terms of the new players settling in. I like Jensen for, for one mm. in the centre of the pitch. And Buemo obviously got his first goal at the weekend. He's been called up for France under-21s as well. So I think with Ben Rama and potentially Buemo in the team, it's a different proposition having Ollie Watkins down the middle. I saw them with Canos and Marcondes last week at Charlton. I don't, I don't think Marcondes has got a goal for God knows how long. And for me, Canos is brilliant, his effort, but he played right wing back at the weekend and was much better. So I think he could be better suited to be playing a little bit more withdrawn in terms of what he can give. But Watkins, yes, loads of debate about is he a central striker? Is he a wide player? I had a little look. Apologies if I'm maybe one or, or two games out, but 20 and 72 when he's been deployed as a wide forward. So about 27% there and six in 14 if you take the brace into account at the weekend, which is over 42%. So I think it's important who he has either side of him. And I think it makes a difference, a big difference, Brentford, if you're playing at Griffin Park, to what he can probably produce as a number nine away from home. But I think the numbers show you that if he has good quality around him, there's no reason why he can't fill that void. But... I'd still like another striker and they have one in the building now in the Greek chat. Yeah, I think that their away form will get better the more confident they become as a unit. They'll be able to look after the ball on their travels as well as they do at home and, and, and create damage. So I think that that will come. When I first saw Watkins playing the flesh, I thought he's a striker in the making. He, he did a bit of both in the in the game that I saw at Bristol City. So And... and They've not let, let in many goals, have they, this season? I'm just looking at, at what they've done. They lost 1-0 to Charlton and Leeds. No shame in that, particularly away from home. Shock defeat at home to Birmingham. But then clean sheets in, in beating Borough Derby. Drew with Hull one apiece. So they're solid. They've got good forwards, as Sam's been outlining. A new look midfield at the weekend, which worked well. So there's a lot to like. I think they can make the playoffs. Right, just a, a brief line on, on each of the relegated teams. Fulham, Sam, relegated but coping, Mitrovic key. Yeah, I was there on Friday for Cardiff and 
as you anticipate going to the game, had all of the ball. I've seen them being criticised because it's a bit sideways at times, but Cardiff are quite interesting in their setup that they go man for man quite often. Uh, they did on Friday in various areas of the pitch. So they seem to allow Fulham to kind of saunter forward the two centre-halves exchanging passes. And then the pass into Mitrovic was on all evening. And it was a, a pass which Cardiff almost allowed into Mitrovic's feet. The problem for Fulham is they don't have runners in behind Mitrovic. They don't have pace. Cavaliero wants to come to feet. Knockart wants to come to feet. If they can add that to their game in the next few weeks as this squad is getting more used to playing together, then yes, I still put Fulham in my in my top two, top three. Cardiff were opposing them on uh, Friday night, Clarkey. Just a bit meh. Yeah, Warn- a bit Warnock disa- going out with a whimper. A bit disappointing, really, the, their start to the season. You look at their form on the road, hammered at Reading, goalless at Blackburn. They need to be much more solid on the road than that. Obviously, the home form will be will be strong. You'd expect that. But yeah, no, I'm slightly underwhelmed by Cardiff. I did tip them to be in my top two. But based on what I've seen so far, they, they look more like possible playoff material. Uh, Huddersfield, we'll, we'll leave you alone to, uh, to to cope on your own. It's not going well. Uh, new managers with fairly mixed starts. Birmingham, who was supposed to be in, in crisis, they seem to be doing all right. They had uh, Jude Bellingham, an actual child, uh, scoring sort of for them at the weekend. Uh, Middlesbrough, Sam, one win in six. Tough start for Jonathan Woodgate. Is 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 he going to be given the season because he is a Middlesbrough guy? It does buy you a little bit of extra time, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I think so. I think there were signs in the opening weeks of the season that the football was good and it was relatively exciting and they were making chances. I think the longer it goes on when they're not getting kind of back-to-back victories or a convincing home win, there's going to be question marks. But no, a good, good point against Bristol City on the back of a point they didn't deserve against Millwall in the previous home game. So, listen, they need some more contributors, I think, in terms of the goals because they're so reliant on Osamba Longa who, again, notched at the weekend to get them that point at Ashton Gate. So, I, I think patience was probably going to be the key there. And I would imagine that the supporters will be feeling relatively okay about it. I think they can match last season's finishing position, which obviously isn't what they want, but they will do it playing a better brand of football. I think Paddy Monaire's playing really well and, and Wing looks a good technician to me. So I think there are more positives actually than negatives at Borough. Sheffield Wednesday, harsh words from Lee Bullen uh, about his team of individuals at the weekend. Danny Cowley, Joe suggested a couple of weeks ago, might be about to become Danny Owley. Um, <laughs> that, oh, was it you who made that dreadful? Guilty. Um, yeah, OK. Is that is that the job that he's been waiting for? Because it's a difficult one to judge, isn't it? You want, you want to wait for the right one, but you don't want the moment to pass you by. Yeah, and you're just thinking of Paul Hurst and you're thinking of Nathan Jones straight away. That must be a consideration for any manager who is getting linked with championship jobs. I read yesterday that the families, uh, Danny Cowley and Nicky Cowley's families have relocated to Lincoln and uh, I think grandparents as, as well of the, of the children. Not so far to Sheffield. It's Lincoln. not that far to Sheffield, but it's just how much of this project is still left for them to conquer, if you like. you know. And I think the dream is to get them into the championship of Lincoln City and make them established. They've ticked every box they've won. Even if they do take Lincoln to the championship, would they get a better offer than Sheffield Wednesday? I just think there's a ceiling mm. on the type of club that would, would yeah, employ good, them. No, it's a good point. But whether the problems at Sheffield Wednesday are too great for them to walk into that gig at the moment, that's only, only they can make that decision. I would suggest that given what Steve Bruce did at the back end of last season, there's a lot of that mess has been tidied to a mm. degree. And, and also my other main point on it is I don't think it's a fan base that would demand a really exciting new brand of, of football if you like. I know they've tried to go down that route maybe with Luhukai uh, to no success at all. I just think, yes, it's an amazing club, Sheffield Wednesday, a huge club, but I just think if the Cowleys wanted to go in there and be slightly direct or pragmatic to begin with, they'd be given an opportunity to do so. Yeah, sorry, Lincoln fans, I, th- I think they should take it if it's on offer. 
All right, time will tell. I mean, it might have happened by the time you listen to this podcast. That's the way it usually works. Let's get some odds then, Abby. Promotion and relegation-wise in the championship? Yes, yeah, so Leeds are the favourites. They are odds-on to be promoted. They are 2-5. to five. And then it's Fulham who are evens and West Brom who are 2-1. to one. For your two-time European champions, Nottingham Forest, if you want to put some money on them, they are 7-1. to one. And Derby, incidentally, who are very low down in the table, 8-1. to one. Put a tick in the Bokmark Championship chat, but keep that pencil sharp as we head to League One. Want to know where you can watch EFL highlights this season? You can watch them on Quest and Quest OD. Quest is the home of EFL highlights on free TV, and they're here for all your Championship, League One and League Two requirements. Where can you find Quest? Freeview Channel 12, FreeSat 167, Sky 144, Virgin 217, or just go online and watch at questod.co.uk. Do that and you could be watching the weekend's football an hour and a half before match of the day gets started. And you can't watch the two-time European champions Nottingham Forest on match of the day, can you? Not yet anyway, nor in fact for the last 20 years. Anyway, the EFL, you love it, we love it, so watch it on Quest. Freeview Channel 12, FreeSat 167, Sky 144, Virgin 217, or just go online to questod.co.uk League One then where the headlines include Berry MP James North making his case to the EFL to have Berry FC reinstated into League Two for the 2020-21 season Ipswich are top and humming in a good sense not odorous more prosperous the Tractor Boys unbeaten this season and uploading James Norwood gifts all over the gaff Triple H getting the Norwood treatment this week I know you were asking uh, let's hope Norwood doesn't start blocking the development of younger wrestlers by refusing to job to them in high profile matches Wait, come back. No more wrestling chat, I promise. And for the first time in actual years, figuratively, Sunderland don't even have a 1-1 during their match as they lost 3-0 to Posh. This just days after knocking Burnley out of the League Cup. Sunderland till I get by? Very then. Gone but not forgotten. Actually, maybe not gone at all. James North, the MP, has launched his bid, backed by the Mayor of Manchester, Andy Burnham, to get Berry back in the EFL next season by reading an appeal to them. Statement time. We recognise the mismanagement that has put Berry in this situation, so we understand the EFL needs to take action, but feel the punishment is unduly harsh, and what we've developed today is a proposal to try and persuade other clubs that Berry should remain a Football League club, by entering League Two for next season. In fact, the EFL are up for discussing... Berry's re-entry. They agreed it's appropriate to discuss the matter with member clubs, but added there's no precedent for a club to enter the EFL directly through an application for admission or readmission following withdrawal of membership. Uh, that red-haired dude has tweeted us at the Totally Show the handle to do so. He asked, with the news that the EFL may reinstate Berry to League Two from next season, do you feel this is a fair conclusion? Clarky, my inclination would be no, it's not, unfortunately. Um... It sets a dangerous precedent for other clubs to potentially not do things properly, knowing that they might have a safety net that they won't drop out of the league. Personally, I would put that to one side here, because this is this is a, this is a historic football club, and if they're not liquidated, if they still still are ready to go on under new ownership with sustainable plan in place, then it does feel daft that on the back of a deadline that was set because of this season, which I get. That they would to have to start down at you know down level eight or level nine in the in the pyramid, I think if there's a, a way to to for this to happen, let's let, let's explore it. And I wouldn't be against it, but what what I think needs to happen is it a decision needs to be made in the next month or two because those at the wrong end of League Two need to know is there one down or is there two down at the end of the season? It'd be incredibly harsh if they think at the moment it's one down and it's suddenly in March they say, no, Barry's coming back, so it's now two down. I don't want that situation to happen. What do you reckon, Sam? From the, the point of view of a, a League Two club this season or a National League club looking to come up, they're probably not going to be that happy about it. No, I, I kind of in agreement with Adrian, to be honest. I mean, it just makes me think, why on earth wasn't this looked at prior to the season kicking off? And I can't remember who said it, but the opportunity for these clubs maybe to be suspended for this campaign and get their houses in order surely would have been the right way to go and then they could have obviously had these conversations in a year's time and and been ready to go for the 2020-21 season so I don't want to see a club have to go down and and essentially play in the 12th tier or whatever it would it would be which is doesn't sit well with me it's a club I've played a, a lot a great deal throughout my own professional career and it could very well be any one of these clubs that's um, such a huge part of the community. So, 
yeah, I, w- I want to see them given every opportunity of having uh, the chance to, to come back in next year. I wanted to briefly touch on Sunderland, not in action this weekend, their game with Burton postponed because of international call-ups, but mention the, the defeat they had at Peterborough, which was a bit of a thrashing, coming off the back of that win against Burnley. It makes me wonder, what are Sunderland? Like, are they, are they any good? And Jack Ross, is, is, he, is he any good as a manager? I, I can't make my mind up. They're the hardest team to critique across the whole EFL, in my opinion, because they have got the best squad. They should be getting promoted out of that league. There's no doubt about that. They have maybe the best creative spark in, in McGeady. I thought the, the business they did in the summer was great. Uh, I really like Willis. I like Dobson. And you both know that I've put my house on McNulty being the top scorer in the division. He's got none so far. <laughs> uh, he's not even playing up front. He's playing in behind. Why? What is Jack Ross doing? No. Um, <laughs> listen, we can only see what they, they churn out. You know, on the match days, we're not there day to day. Is he putting the handbrake on some of these forward players to a degree and being too overly cautious? That seems to be the argument. And listen, it's one result after five straight victories. So I think having watched the game as well, I said they need to just take a little breath this week, the Sunderland supporters, because there was nothing in that game. It was a horrid 45 minutes. It was terrible, lit up by Madison's free kick. And there was a huge moment, either at 1-0 or 2-0, when Beavers made a brilliant saving challenge on McNulty, McNulty as he looked to be um, scoring for Sunderland. So fine margins, I felt, at the weekend. In the end, descended into carnage. They lost their head. Well beaten, but I think we still need to give them time and I still believe they'll go up. There's a pressure on the major, isn't there, that is unique to a club in League One and that the expectation is so tremendous on them particularly that this is their second go at trying to get yeah but it's not a bunch of kids I think they're quite an experienced group of players players that have had success in their careers so far they've got a manager that's had success north of the border so so no I I don't think there's any excuse for them not to go up this season really Mm -hmm. it's probably the wrong time it's probably still premature to ask if Jack Ross is any good or not I like the way that he they had such a losing habit before. You've got to remember what he inherited and he made them tough to beat. Mm. He's now laid a platform. What I think he needs to do is just now allow the, 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 the star men to just express themselves, be a bit more adventurous in their approach. And, and I think they might cut loose and, and climb the table rapidly. I'm still backing them for top two. All right, well, let's have a look ahead to uh, some of the weekend's game. The, the fixture list has been affected by international call-ups. We're going to have a look at a couple of the half-past 12 kickoffs. Sam, MK Dons versus Wimbledon. Apparently, they don't get on very well, these two. No, they don't. It should be, should be tasty, hence why it's um, an early kickoff. There's not generally a great deal of goals between the two. I think there's just the five goals in the, the, the four league games they, they've played against each other. So I expect it to be... A tight affair. Um, my concern for AFC Wimbledon is there's not much of a threat coming from the middle of the pitch. Uh, and yes, they go quite direct. And I like Apaya and I like Piggott, who obviously saved them last season. But are they masters at backing in and, and winning headers? I would suggest maybe not. I think both of them are decent players and good finishers. But... Yeah, I think that's probably the only way they can really go. Wimbledon, get balls in from the wide areas. Guinness Walker, the best uh, named signing of the the, the summer, has obviously had a good start and got his first goal, but there's not a great deal of goals coming from elsewhere. So I'm a bit concerned about them, although Nightingale, back from injury, first clean sheet of the season uh, against Wickham the other day, that, that's big for them. And, and MK Dons, I wouldn't... A little bit in the same kind of vein as the way we were talking about Sunderland. I think a little bit more time at the higher tier is necessary to give Paul Tisdale just as he gets used to that division again, integrates a few players. I think Botang's been successful in in midfield so far, missing a bit of a threat at the top end of the pitch, having lost Danike, Wheeler, uh, for example, two players that did very well tail end of last season and conceding far too many goals. Uh, Wimbledon, by the way, did sign three players on deadline day, including to join a pint and a packet of crisps up front, Marcus Fors from Brentford, thus creating the cringeworthy headline, May the Fors be with you. I mean, really, that only works if David May's the manager, doesn't it? Then then it's gold, but otherwise... That's a, that's an interesting signing, though, a good signing, but I suppose what I was just saying about the, the, the football forces, he's a number nine, but he's not 
statuesque chap. So uh, are they going to have to mix it up and play a slightly different way? I'm not sure they're capable of that. Yeah, well, it might be a force to be reckoned with. We'll see. Uh, Adrian Doncaster against Rotherham, a ding-dong derby. Uh, meeting of two teams who've only played four matches rather than the expected six. Uh, you say their positions in the league are, are false, therefore. Doncaster unbeaten, two wins, two draws. How's uh, Darren Moore done so I think far? he's done better than I anticipated, actually. I think I tipped them to be struggling for, for relegation this season, purely based on the, the quality of the players that headed out of the exit door. They, they lost so, so much quality that I feared for them. But, but the signs are good. I think the, the two centre-backs, they've got a new partnership at the back. Cameron John is doing really well. Aloni from Wolves. Tom Anderson's next to him. So, so no, I think that they've, they've got a good base there. Ben Sheaf is a player that I know who came in from Arsenal. I think he's injured at the moment, but he's a, he's a defensive midfielder. So I think he he's someone that can help them as well. So no, they're, they're doing okay. I did, I did read reports that Victor Anachebe is is training with them. Free agent. That would be a good coup, wouldn't it? And that would be the sort of guy that, that might, might step in and replace Marquis. I'm not saying they score anywhere near as many goals as Marquis did, but but that's their issue, isn't it? They've lost the talisman, and in his place, they've got a couple of exciting talents. Mm. Is it Kaziah Sterling, Nylinis? They might be brilliant, but they might be hit and miss as well. They're not going to guarantee you the goals that, that Marquis did. So that's, that's their issue. I think it'd be a good game. I really do. Uh, Rotherham bit disappointing then they're not scoring as many goals as, as as anticipated conceded from three set piece goals as well which is a bit unlike them so, so when I look at this game I'm leaning towards Rovers I have to say uh, this game is at the keep moat but but Rotherham for their home games are running a random act of kindness scheme uh, <laughs> last week they handed out free pies to, to people who came in in early off the top of your head any kind of random act of kindness a football club should introduce can, can I suggest sensible ticket pricing and not playing music after goals going I'd endorse that <laughs> yeah it's very it's very annoying isn't it so yeah no all, all day long I'd look a free, free pint that's good get, get the get the punters in early encourage them to maybe spend a bit of money at the at the bar ahead of kickoff good shout odds wise for league one Abby how about the uh, big one between MK Dons and Wimbledon who's the favourites for that the Don Derby MK are odds on to win 19 to 20 the draw is 13 to 5 and for Wimbledon to win it is 27 to 10. And up in Yorkshire, Doncaster versus Rotherham. In Yorkshire, for Doncaster to win, you can get 19 to 10. For the draw, it's 5 to 2. And for Rotherham to win, 27 to 20. And we've been talking about Sunderland and their promotion prospects. What, what do our friends at, at William Hill make of those? Well, they are actually favourites for promotion, 5 to 4, which uh, may be a bit of an eyebrow raiser there. But Ipswich, who currently top the table, are 75. OK, and how about Sam's mate, Mark McNulty, to be top scorer? Uh, that is a solid 40 to 1. Wow. On that. Worth a pound if you want to lose a pound. So that's League One. Remember, there's going to be a lot more attention paid to you this weekend, League One. So dress nice and mind your manners. Uh, League Two, we come in. Hi, I'm Emma. And I'm Jeffers. And we host the Series Linked podcast, all about the telly that's both on and in demand. We're able to tell you what you should be watching and what might be worth a swerve. Previous guests include Simon Cowell, Susanna Reid, I'm Ricky Gervais. We speak to some of the biggest names in telly. Plus, we're compiling a definitive list of the box sets to watch before you die. Search for Series Linked on your preferred podcast app. The podcast for TV fans by TV fans. League Two, we hear. In the news this week, Exeter top as Scunthorpe continued to flop. Stevenage score twice in four minutes. Still didn't win, though. And Salford City. MK Dons Mark II or Club of the People? Now, that's where we're going to start. I've been making my way through the latest Class of 92 series on Sky. It covers Salford's promotion into the EFL last season. The club and its famous owners have copped a fair bit of stick with accusations they've bought their way into the Football League. It got me thinking, though, shouldn't we be praising them? You only need to look at Bury to see the worst of football ownership. Sam, at least these guys, A, go to games, and B, seem to genuinely care about the development of the club. Yeah, anyone who's watched any of the documentary episodes would they're see they're good aren't they those, those shows I think it's been brilliantly put together I've really enjoyed it and it was very topsy-turvy last season I thought it was really interesting the way that Graham Alexander adapted the playing style when they hit a bit of a rut last season and were losing uh, a number of games dropping points and he got a load of athletes in I think it was uh, around transfer deadline and change the formation and, and win a bit direct to get them out of the division so there's been some wonderful insight from it but in terms of the owners I think they're 
you know, very, very intelligent and at the forefront of that as well in terms of the ticket pricing. Uh, Gary Neville was speaking about that recently. I think it's £10 in, £5 for kids. So, and it can be as close, you know, close to £20 at that level. So, yeah, I think they're, they're running it in the correct manner. And if the early season form is anything to go by, it looks like them and Leighton Orient could have quite comfortable seasons. Yeah, they did court controversy by changing the colour of the kit. And as I meant, they spent a, a lot of money. But it's time for a new feature. New feature, Claxon. we got Claxons, haven't we, Abby? <laughs> yeah. This one's called Adrian Asks. We're not wedded to that, though. Clarky's conversation still very much in the mix, titularly. Uh, Adrian's call, like Adrian's wall. We'll put that on the maybe pile for now. <laughs> <laughs> so bad. <laughs> it's not bad on the on the spot, is it? That's awful. <laughs> uh, uh, so you were at the Peninsula Stadium last night. That's Graham... genius. Adrian's call. I can't do more for you. That's unbelievable. <laughs> but he's not ringing somebody, is he? No. He's not having a say on something no. like it. If it was yeah. an opinion no. piece, then you're great. But... It's not bad. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's not bad. Clarky's Conversations is the one for me, but we'll see. We'll ask the people, see what they think. Yeah, that's better. Clarky's Conversations. <laughs> uh, so Graham Alexander was good enough to speak to you pre-match. We can hear that now. Have you changed your ambitions, aims for the season since the start? I know that the bookies had you right up there. Yeah. I thought that was a big ask, personally. Yeah. Not not because you're not a good team, no, but no. just because it's it's a, it's a big leap, isn't it? Yeah. What's what is the ta- what is the target? Well, listen, we we, we want to be successful, and mm-hmm. success for this club is is trying to get to the next level. But there's no uh, there's no uh, you know uh, determination to to uh, do it at the first mm. point, as in like yeah. it has to happen. Mm. But we're a club that's in a hurry really yeah. so um, <laughs> are yeah, you or is it a steady is it going to be a steady progress because when I looked at the business yeah. obviously the Richie Tao signing was a, yeah. was a standout I thought yeah. whoa that, he's, yeah. a, he's a really good player for, for that level but you didn't go crazy no did you in no. terms of the transfer market is no. it is it slowly slowly or or, or is it a hurry as you say well, well no no. It, 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 we want to be successful mm. as as all clubs do as soon mm. as as soon as possible but I, I felt we had good players already in the squad and mm. I didn't want to disrupt that too much we, we tried to add quality and, and we did do that mm. um, and obviously Richie was one from a, a higher level that's come come to join the, the sort of crusade but <laughs> um, you have to give players the opportunity I feel you know what I mean I yeah. think and you don't know who's going to come to the fore but yeah. we've seen you know six, six seven games now um, who's doing well who's mm. uh, thriving mm. who's struggling a little bit can we help them improve but we've brought in players just to make sure that improvement happens we definitely yeah. we know we have to improve as a team yeah if we didn't, we'd be at the top. Mm. We're not, so we have to improve yeah. where we can. Fair enough. Um, I've got to ask you about the, the board level um, aspect as well. Just interesting from your point of view as a manager, you've got all these, these great players, these famous faces sat, sat behind you in the stand. Is that, is that something you enjoy or does it, does it add, a, add a little bit of pressure with those eyes on you? To be honest, I don't think about it when no. the game's going on. No, I only think not. about my team and players, but um, I think it works both ways because yeah. if, you, if you're doing the job well and you're getting praise from these guys, yeah. then it, you know, that, that's great. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I, I see it as a, you know, I see it as a working relationship where mm. you know, they've employed me to do a job for them, they've put yeah. faith in me and, and I want to repay that faith. So it's, uh, but listen, they are <laughs> different <laughs> owners from the usual owners you would find yeah. at most football clubs. But they've got great knowledge of yeah. the game, and and they've and what they've achieved in the game is an inspiration for himself and and the other players so. in the squad. Yeah, well, Gary's a tactical analyst. Goals, he's mm. been a gaffer. So they, they must chime in and and say occasionally, yeah, "You thought about doing this?" No, 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 no t- they really t- don't. No, no, honestly, they don't. I mean, listen, I've, I have um, regular contact with Gary um, mm. uh, about football aspects, mm. about the players, and. And, and tactics and stuff like that but the, the rest of the guys are just there to support us um, from the background really and, mm. and just I think I think they probably just enjoy coming to the games yeah. and just watching their team play you yeah. know rather than get involved in the nitty gritty you know that's a, that's a thing and I think um, but Gary's a bit more hands on he wants to be involved in the in the running of the club mm. and everything and um, and me as a manager, I need I need somebody like that to, to bounce off anyway. You were the team in the National League that everyone seemed to want to hate. I yeah. guess it was the green-eyed monster, a bit of bit of jealousy. Yeah. Is it, have you noticed a difference in the EFL? Has it been a bit more welcoming, or are you still that yeah. that, that that team? No, I think I think, I think people want a bit. Listen, football's competitive, so yeah. people want to win games anyway. But I did. I, I thought it was probably a little bit more last season. Yeah, I, I do. I do believe that um, it was a little bit more. Uh, 
intensive. I think you know if we if we did lose a game, it, it was a big celebration from the opposite. <laughs> but listen, it's it's, it's it's part of the game, and I, and I think uh, there's different stories behind all clubs and teams. I think obviously the the connection of our owners and and their connection with Man United and what they did. I think sometimes people think they're actually playing against yeah. Man United, you know, and, and it's not, you know. Yeah. So, uh, but listen, it's it's part of the game, and I think it always adds a an edge to the game that's yeah. that's what I do find there's no um, mundane atmospheres or yeah. anything where we go to it there's always an, an edge to it which yeah. I think actually helps the, the atmosphere and helps our team some good stuff there Adrian how did you find him him personally it, very interesting on his relationship with, with the owners and, and Gene Ev in particular yeah absolutely uh, really nice guy very friendly uh, amiable and I loved his enthusiasm yeah it was interesting wasn't it when he was talking about I asked him whether it was, there was added pressure, the fact that there's so much football talent and experience looking at him, you know, monitoring his choices in games. He says he, he doesn't think about it, but when he gets praised by them, it, it means that bit more. And that, that was really interesting. And, and I can definitely see why he he thought that. Also, um, it was nice to hear that, that the welcome from EFL clubs has been not quite as vociferous as it was in the National League. Because my impression there... Was it? It's a really friendly club. It's a beautiful little ground, completely unrecognisable from when they started. It's not big. It is a little. It's a it's a box shaped ground, but but perfectly practical. Practical, and it was a nice place to go and watch football. So uh, and the people were lovely. The football is is okay as well. It's a mixture of athletic force and and. Uh, and nice passing as well. So, so no, I think onwards and upwards for Salford. Very bright future. And in Graham Alexander, they've got they've got a really smart boss. Well, to read the whole interview with Graham Alexander, head over to our website, thetotallyfootballshow.com, where you can also find our throwback feature on Norwich 1, Colchester 7, as Nick Miller speaks to wrestling's Grant Holt. There's also an interview with former Sunderland star Lee Catamol after he's moved to VVV Venlo and thoughts on Frank Lampard's managerial prowess. That's all on thetotallyfootballshow.com. In terms of Red Hot League 2 action on Saturday, Sam, you've taken a look for us at Grimsby versus Crewe. It's fourth against third. The Grimsby fact of the week, James Hansen involved in seven goals in six league games for the Mariners, five goals, two assists, as many as in his previous 47 league games during his spells with uh, Sheffield United, Berry and Wimbledon. We've spoken a little bit about Grimsby in recent weeks. What, what about Crewe? What stood out for you about them start of the season? Well... Most league wins, league two wins in 2019. So they're in exceptional form. Got a nice balance, as you would expect, of academy graduates doing the business. Charlie Kirk is the main one in that. Seven goals and five assists since the start of the year as well. So he is heavily involved in everything they do. A technically very gifted player off either side can create goals and can and score goals as we saw at the weekend uh, and he's been playing wide on the left hand side in the 4-3-3 and I think previously 4-4-2 was the shape and he's really enjoyed having that extra attacking responsibility playing high so him and Lowry another really good player scored a fantastic goal five foot six really diminutive little player um, so we spoke about Cardiff v Fulham being a little bit beauty v the beast not to do Grimsby too much of a disservice, but possibly something along the similar lines this weekend. Although I think Grimsby have clearly got the option to go into Hanson, but they've got some excellent players in very good form if they want to play a little bit more. Hessenthaler's had a fantastic start to the season in midfield and he's been flanked at the moment, Hanson by Green and Ogbo who have both had really good starts to the season. So they're going to get the majority of their goals from set pieces. I think that's been, not the majority, but they're going to get a lot of goals from set pieces. They're the highest scorers in the division in that regard. But I think this is a Grimsby team that's going to do a lot better than they did previously under Michael Jolly. Do we have a curious stat, Claxon Abbey? No. <laughs> you've got you've got a, a humdinger of a stat. Well, it's not a humdinger, but it, oh, it's, it's fourth v third, <laughs> right? Two two informed sides, six games played in five of the six games each, they've let in the first goal. Yeah, they're absolutely flying. So they've come back from one nil deficits over and over and over again. Uh, crew three wins from those five deficits. 
Grimsby, two wins and two draws from being 1-0 down. So they've got a little bit of spunk about them as well. Um, <laughs> Can't say that, uh, surely. I mean, you can. It's just that we're childish. <laughs> <laughs> ah, deep breath. Bradford against Northampton then, Adrian. Um, two teams who've had pretty disappointing starts with managers who maybe should be doing a bit better. I think so, yeah. I, I picked this one out because it's a, a game that both of them really kind of need to be looking to, to win. For Bradford, I just feel... First of all, I don't, do you know what happened with Owen Doyle? Why, why, he's, why they let him go? Because I, I don't understand why they would allow such a good goal scorer to, to I, leave the building I don't but he never looked like he was happy never looked like he was in form no. at Bradford so mm. I think it was one that they probably just had to hold their hands up because he hadn't been doing the business yeah, it just, yeah you just wonder if it would come back to bite them if something happens to Vaughan or Donaldson uh, they've got the best front too obviously but yeah I, I just feel that with Bradford haven't really found their identity yet this season the change of formations every single week I think it was three at the back last time out in the game at Crew. That, that Sam's just been talking about. So, yeah, disappointing start, I guess, for them. As for Northampton, then the most interesting aspect here is is the fact that Keith Curl is going against what he's all, always done, which is be a bit of a, you know, bomb it into the box and be strong, bigger, stronger, tougher than everyone else. He says that Northampton fans demand a lovely brand of football, slick, fast, attack-minded football, and that's what he's doing. I loved the two goals at the weekend because... I like to see great wing play and, and Sam Hoskins put into fantastic crosses for, for Andy Williams to score. So that's a combination I, I want to look out for in the weeks and months to come. If, if Hoskins and Williams can, can strike up that understanding regularly, Northampton could climb the league playing a more entertaining brand of football than we've seen in the past. League two odds, Abby. Uh, what are we saying for the Grimsby versus Crew game? The Grimsby versus Crude game. The home win for Grimsby that is is seven to four. The draw is twelve to five, and away it's six to four. And how about Northampton's visit to Bradford? For Bradford to win, it's eleven to ten. For the draw, twelve to five again, and the away win for Northampton is twelve to five as well. And what about Salford to get promoted? Salford to get promoted. They're the fifth favourites at five to two. Now, plans for the weekend, Sammy, are you international breaking it up, or are you going to be somewhere around the EFL? I'm going to watch the mighty Swindon Town at the mighty Leighton Orient. So that's going to be uh, a clash of two of your former clubs? Two of my former clubs. One spell slightly more successful than the other. <laughs> but as I've said on many occasions, I've apologised to Martin Ling profusely about my lack of goals in the red and white of Orient. Uh, and why are you being all self-effacing? It's worth pointing out because this is the coolest thing about anybody that I'm friends with. You are in the Swindon Town Hall of Fame and that is a very great thing. Got a lovely tie for my years of service. Yeah, you get a, a nice tie, which was given to me on the pitch. I was with my family to mark the occasion and Don Rogers and John Trollope gave me my tie. I think combined they probably played about 2,000 games for Swindon and Don Rogers probably the best ever player to grace the county ground. Clarky, you'll be on the, the wireless Saturday, Sunday? I will be, yeah. That's that's it for me. Yeah, tiring midweek, obviously, up to up to Salford and back last night. So, yeah, I'm going to step aside uh, this weekend and then, of course, next week it's the big one for me off to Pepper Pig World. Oh, nice. Diego Costa and William used to absolutely love Peppa Pig World, and that was Diego Costa's favourite thing about England, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> Couldn't make it up. Each their own. <laughs> so another pod has reached its natural conclusion, had some laughs, killed some time. What more do you want from us? Uh, Caroline's back next week. Do join her then. I'll be returning in a fortnight. Until then, take care of yourselves and each other. You've been listening to the Totally Football League Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddykneesmedia.com. Keep up to date with everything across our Totally Football network at The Totally Show on Twitter. And make sure you check out our brand new website too, thetotallyfootballshow.com.